Oh, the sweet, sweet irony that I'm about to record an episode about comedy sets and getting on stage and doing comedy in front of people you don't know. And there are literally crickets in the background at my place. Listen. Yep. Crickets. I haven't even started talking yet. welcome 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 this is my podcast where i talk about my love for words for writing for storytelling for any, anything to do with words i love words and today's episode is because i'm really excited and nervous and excited and nervous because i have decided to go and sign up for an open mic night in two days time in melbourne this is my first time ever performing comedy in melbourne and I'm really nervous and excited. And so I just wanted to talk through the process of me preparing for this open mic because people ask me quite a bit, okay, so how do you write your jokes or where does the inspiration come from? How do you do it? And uh, yeah, so I'm just going to take a couple of minutes to explain my thinking, my process, what goes through my brain. And then at the end, I'll, I'll also share with you the open mic nights that I, or the open mic set I did in Singapore. Okay, so what is the process when I decide to sign up? The biggest thing, first and foremost, is that when I've signed up for these comedy shows or these moments, I normally invite someone to come along. So tomorrow, I mean, in two days' time, I've got a couple of friends coming because I told them, I sent them texts a while ago, oh, I might do an open mic, I might see if I want to do some comedy. And then they all said, yep, tell us when you're doing it. So what that does for me is that it gives me uh, accountability or it makes me have to then show face. Uh, so I can't then call, um, you know, call it like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do some comedy and then not have something or someone to kind of back me up or make me have to uh, do it. As in not them saying that I have to do it, but for me now I've, I've told people I'm going to do this set. So... I gotta do it. <laughs> um, so I like that. And then it's also kind of nice because it's an excuse to get together with my friends, have a laugh, test some material. So that's always good incentive. So I always tell people or I invite someone to come with me. And it's also great moral support in case I bomb. Uh, so that's one of the first things I do. Uh, what else? Oh, the other thing is by locking in uh, an audience or moral support, and a date, it then gives me a deadline. It gives me something to actually write and work towards. So now um, I decided I was gonna do this comedy open mic last week. And, you know, I've sort of, you know, had the weekend and just sort of looking around and looking at the things around me. And this week it's, it's Monday, obviously. So now I've got two days to really now prepare. And I find that all that pressure, that deadline helps me start to cull my, my thoughts and my ideas. And so what I do is often as I, as I have an idea or an inkling that I want to do this comedy set or this show, I start to really open my eyes and look around at what's interesting, the people, you know, the funny things. And then I start just writing. So I'll just write notes like, you know, funny lady on the train or, you know, 
um, finding a hair on my chin or whatever it is. It might sound really, really random and it doesn't really matter because then what I do is I'll write all these ideas down, these thoughts, whatever. And then I'll end up having maybe 20 to 30 over the course of a couple of days because also the closer I get to performing, the more I sort of start observing and just pulling things together. There might even be words or just bullet points in my notebook. And then I start to weave them together and find some common um some common ideas or ways to segue the ideas through each other. And then um, I start to get a feel for, okay, what's the audience maybe going to be like? What's the situation going to be like? And then I start to tailor um, my set towards that. And then I start to practice. I'll often write a couple of jokes uh, and then I start just saying them out loud. I actually practice them out loud in front of the mirror. And so interestingly enough, the way I prepare for a comedy set is exactly how I'd prepare for a keynote speech or a presentation. Uh, I write the ideas down, I get the shape of it, I get a feel for it. And sometimes it's, it's a gut feeling that, oh yeah, yeah, this will work. Or I know that once I actually am on stage, I can really push it out or pull it pull it out more. Um, the only thing with comedy that I still find, especially with open mics, is uh, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard to to know if it's going to be well received. So you might think it's really funny or I might think that, yeah, this is this was so funny at the time or it wasn't. And then sometimes the things that I don't think are as funny, people cack over or they die over. Uh, so that's always quite an interesting thing to play around with. But the great beauty is about these shows, I get to I get to see what works or what are the things that people find funny or interesting. And then I can tweak my sets. And now I've got enough different shows that I've done where I can look at footage or listen to audio and go, oh yeah, that joke kind of worked well. Or I'll remember my body language, which is another thing really important is that I use a lot of facial expressions in, in my performances or presentations. And, and so I might hear something and then I'll remember what I did that the audience laughed at or I rolled my eyes or I, you know, I did a little bum dance, whatever it is. Uh, and so I start to pull all these different things together and start to get a feel for what might work on stage. And then when I got on, get on stage, I just wing it and I just hope for the best. And now what you're about to listen to is a comedy set that I did in Singapore. I was on tour with my book. I wrote a children's book about friendship and I was visiting some schools and doing some talks. And then I don't know what it was that just made me think, oh, maybe I should go see a comedy show. Then I went, oh, why don't I just do an open mic? Uh, I've got enough material. And it was terrifying because I, I knew nobody. I didn't know anyone. I just emailed the club. Hey, I'm from Australia. Can I come and do five minutes? And they're like, yep, come on down. And then I went down. I, I did not know anyone. I did not know these people, the host, nobody. And it's just a room full of strangers, which was exciting and terrifying at the same time, which is a really beautiful, beautiful place to sit sometimes. And then I got on stage and I tested out some new jokes. Some of them were fabulous. Some of them weren't so much. And then I just felt amazing afterwards. And I recorded the, uh, the whole set. Uh, I had my video camera there because I wanted to see what I look like on stage as well as I perform. And it was amazing. I felt 
I felt so proud of myself for stepping completely out of my comfort zone in a new country, in a new place with people I didn't even know. And and so going into this open mic in Melbourne with my friends around, with people that I've seen, um, you know, in the city, this new city I'm calling home. I don't know. I feel I feel a little bit more excited. It's like, oh, these are my people and I'm just going to go ham as in... Ham, Google that acronym because I, I don't want to swear. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go hard. That's what I'm trying to say. And and hopefully it'll be good fun. And from that, I'll do some more and maybe end up working towards my own show. That's the big dream for now. And yeah, here's to doing an open mic in Melbourne. Now, thank you so much to everybody who's been listening to the podcast. I am beaming right now. I'm beaming. And the crickets. I'm beaming with joy because... You know, it's kind of weird when you're sitting and you're talking to yourself in the room and there's no one there. And then when I look at the stats and everyone's downloading and commenting and sending me texts, it's really, really so lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can follow my speaking adventures at taku.com.au or on Instagram and Twitter, which I will be back on very soon. And my handle is at Taku Speaks. Or if you want to see some of my videos, I am Taku TV on Facebook and YouTube. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's been so much fun. Wish me luck for the open mic. I think I'll have to do a debrief afterwards. Yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. If you haven't heard the other episodes, go on down and scroll and have a listen. And if you have not reviewed the podcast yet, please just write two words. Yeah, actually, write two words. That's an idea. Write two words as a review, put a star rating, and hopefully we can get more people listening to this and just uh, talking about words and the beauty of words. I'm also still working on getting my interviews set up. So once I have some cool people lined up, I will definitely let you know. And you'll find the episodes right here at Two Words with Taku. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a good night. Two visiting comics. So the first one is coming up. She's all the way from Australia. So put your hands together for Taiku. Hello, my beauties. How you going? Really, where's the love, people? All right. So my name isn't Taiku. It's not taco. It's not tofu. It's Taku. Not. Either. Um, so I'm just passing through on holiday in sunny Singapore and uh, yeah man, you guys, seriously, this is a real question. Where do you hide your crazy people? Because I've been on the MRT for two days and nobody has licked me yet. And so it's a real concern as a tourist when you're on the train and there's no entertainment. You know, there's no one hanging off the poles. And so you know what I resort to? Because I don't want to be on my phone, everybody's doing that. I'm now looking on the ground and I'm looking at people's feet. Oh my gosh! Is there this unwritten law or something here, especially with the ladies, that if your feet, like normal feet, are like this, yeah? But if your feet are like this, the rule is you grow your toenails as long as possible, you paint them as bright as possible. And then you wear 
like these rubber platform shoe things yep. so that they're elevated and everybody can see them. And you've got to make sure that the little toe is hanging over the edge so it really disgusts people everywhere. <laughs> so that's me. So I'm sitting on the train and I, look, I'm black. We don't hold back, but I'm holding back. I'm just like, Auntie, why? <laughs> <laughs> And for me, look, I love traveling because of the cross-cultural interaction. I love it. Interracial relationships. You know, a black chick walking in Asia. I mean, I'm talking about the foot thing. There's so many things. For African people, we're superstitious. We don't like ghosty, ghosty stuff, yeah? And so um, last year, I was in Canada, Airbnb, and I rock up to the house, and the lady's cool. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? Never met her before. And so we're getting to know each other, yeah? So she's made me a cup of tea. And then um, I'm saying, yeah, I'm from Africa, you know. Um, my mom's there, my brothers, and yeah, my dad. My dad died six years ago. So she looks at me. She's like, yeah, yeah, I know. He's standing right here. <laughs> Excuse you, have you ever screamed for Jesus on the inside? <laughs> but on the outside, you're like this. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a year later, I'm in sunny Singapore. I'm gonna go and get some food. And there's like women standing by drums burning. <laughs> what the hell is that? And like lying little incense sticks on the ground and look. Like, okay, if that happened back home in Zimbabwe, people would freak out. Because people do all their voodoo spirit stuff in private, but you guys, no shame, you're doing it in broad daylight. <laughs> that freaks me out. So now I'm like looking at the guys, yeah, you've got a couple of hoodies. I'm like, yeah, I could. Ah, but what would that mother-in-law be like? <laughs> I'm not having no crazy woman calling spirits and burning drums in my backyard. What do I look like, crazy? But um, yeah, this whole mother-in-law, monster-in-law thing is really interesting. Um, anybody married in here? Why? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, you poor people being questioned about your relationship status. I think there's one really important relationship status. Yeah, so we've got single in a relationship. It's complicated. Normally when I see it's complicated, it's like, oh, I've got kids with my cousin, or, you know, when you see it's complicated, they're trying, they're still working it out, yeah? I think the most dangerous relationship status is eye-rolling. Oh, oh, the women, you know what I'm talking about. When the phone rings and it's him, and your eyes go, ugh, eye-rolling. Or people go, hey, how's, how's so-and-so, you know, the guy you're dating? And your first reaction is to eye-roll, or if he's there, to side-eye. That's when you know that relationship is over. And so for me, I, lo I love men. I love dating, I love meeting people. I'm not, look, any color, any person, as long as you're cool. So I live in Australia, and I always get asked, what's it like dating Aussies? How much time do we have? <laughs> Look, one thing that freaks me out, entertains me, kills me, whatever, is there's a difference between loving animals and being in love with animals. They love their animals over there. So uh, my ex-husband, 
one time uh, we went bushwalking, so we're hiking up this hill, and this is me, my little African, going up the hill in my boots, and we saw a bobtail. Anybody know what a bobtail is? A bobtail lizard. You know, Australia is full of weird animals. It's a thick, solid lizard, scaly, solid. So I saw it, and I was like, ah, just like what is that thing? And then I just jumped, and I said to him, you're piggybacking me down that mountain. And he's like, no, mate. I'm not, right? So now I go into that sulk. All the guys know that sulk. When your chick is pissed off, and it's like the silence of death, because she's pissed off. So now I'm sulking. We go back to the campground, and I'm cooking, and I'm just like, really? How could I end up with a person who just doesn't care that I'm terrified of animals? And so there's this commotion, and people are gathered around my husband. I walk over there, and this guy is on his knees, picking ticks out of the ear of a bobtail with my tweezers. <laughs> I was done and I'm done now. Thanks guys.